Welcome to Film Grain, the official podcast of the Film Society of Northwestern Pennsylvania in the Greater Erie Film Office. My name is John Lines. I'm a filmmaker, teaching artist, and executive director of the Film Society of Northwestern Pennsylvania. My name is Megan Shoffrey. I'm a filmmaker and production coordinator at R. Frank Photography. And my name is Stuart Nash. I am the director of the Greater Erie Film Office and a filmmaker. This week, our Film Grain Dinner in a Movie series featuring Chang Dong Lee's 2018 award-winning Burning... Our guest, Brittany Lee, filmmaker and owner and founder of Film and Her, a female filmmaker showcase. And our roundtable discussion, creating and building your brand. Film Grain, Dinner in a Movie, is our Wednesday night film series. Film Grain is open to the public and takes place in downtown Erie at the Bourbon Barrel, 1213 State Street, Erie, PA. We have our huge 16-foot screen with great buffet and vegetarian options available. If you have a gluten-free request, please make that in advance. We also have couch and table service all night long. I highly recommend reserving your table seats for $12 and your couch seats for $15 through the Film Society of NorthwesternPA.org. Just click events. Again, this Wednesday, June 5th, we are showing one of the highest rated films of 2018, Burning. John, what can you tell us about this film? Well, I hope that you guys come and see Burning. This is like a movie that I've been uh, kind of beating the drum for for a while now. You have. Uh, that's part of, a, you know, one of the goals of our film series is to not just bring the award-nominated movies and the Oscar-nominated movies and um, best movies that you've heard of. Um, but also to bring the best movies that you haven't heard of. So Burning is definitely one on that list. So the story is a 20-something man who bumps into a girl that uh, used to live in the same neighborhood as him. She asks him to look after her cat while she goes on a trip to Africa, which he does, though he never sees the cat. When back, she introduces him to Ben, a mysterious guy who she met in Africa who confesses to his secret hobby. And that's all that's in, like, the synopsis. What's the secret <laughs> hobby? Yeah, that's, that's the that's thing. The so you got to wait yeah. for. So we've got Lee, um, who is kind of our main protagonist. Uh, he's a young delivery man who wants to be a writer, and he's sleepwalking through life, which to me is, like, the most frustrating character and human being. Um, his father's on trial, possibly going to prison for assaulting a police officer. Um, he's got this cute girl from his past who's obviously giving him all the signals, but he's just kind of going with the flow, going where the wind blows him. Um, I put this down. He actually reminds me of a lot of young men today. He's rather lazy and timid. He's a casual participant in life. Again, he's very frustrating to me. That's what I saw. The first yeah. half hour is about what I watched. There's lots of sex, too. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> but yeah, they, but they, was, they're kind of hooking up. It's a very up. slow burn, too. I mean. The whole movie is a very slow burn, yes. for sure. Um, he's watching his father's countryside home, which is interesting because um, it's right near the, the DMZ. So over a loudspeaker, you hear like this propaganda from North Korea, um, which I think kind of plays in thematically and symbolically as well. So that's Lee. Then we also have Shin. So Shin is the young woman um, who he meets from his past. She's trying really hard to be noticed and loved. She's essentially like a, um, you know, she wears skimpy outfits outside of this department store and dances to try and get people to come in and buy products and stuff like that. Um, she wants to be an actress. She's funny and she's odd, uh, but she's looking to find purpose in life. So uh, one of the writers described the movie in general as a dance that seeks the meaning of life. And I think that uh, her character for sure literally and symbolically portrays that idea. So then we have Ben, who is like the mysterious man who comes into both of their lives. He's played by Steven Yeun, who was in The Walking Dead, also Okja, which is great on Netflix and iOrigins. Um, when asked what he does, 
he simply says, I play. Um, and one critic, I love how he described Ben's behavior. He says he's supremely chillaxed arrogance. <laughs> it's pretty much what Ben is. So Ben is, you know, he's got this beautiful, posh bachelor pad and soul. You don't know what he's doing, but he's in this constant state of amusement to the world around him and those less fortunate who come into his orbit. I love this movie so much. That's why I'm talking about it a lot. So you've got Lee and Shin who are struggling through life, and then you've got Ben um, who's living the dream, but his success feels unearned. So the film is definitely a comment on like class warfare, but then as it goes on, um, it becomes something possibly much, much darker, and it just kind of keeps slow building this tension and this mystery, and then in the end, it just like explodes. Now I wish I would have finished watching it because I actually didn't. I got to the part where Ben shows up. And yeah, he doesn't yeah. say a word. Yeah. Except for I play. Right. He's just hanging. And then out I kind of cool. was like, oh, this is a slow burn, really super mm -hmm. slow. But what I did like was the fact that her character and you know I'm seeing her dancing outside the store and I'm like, did they do that around here? I'm like, that'd be so cool. I mean, it's just another way to market a stage. Kind of like yeah. the people outside a Little Caesars <laughs> spinning yeah, 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 yeah. spin spin the, the board. Sun. Right. Yeah. 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 True. True. <laughs> But yeah, he was supremely chillaxed arrogance. That was yeah. that's a good... Perfect. Yeah. But then as it goes along, yeah, they just keep building this up, and I feel like it's a great commentary, and it's a film, like I've said this many times, all the films that I've seen in 2018, this is the one that, like, I just... It's in here. It's just stuck to my brain, and I can't stop thinking about it, and I can't wait to see it again. So take a chance on us. Come and trust our judgment and see a film that you haven't heard of until now. Um, and I just can't wait to talk to everyone afterwards and see what they think. So that's burning. So our special guest today is Brittie Lee. Um, as we mentioned up front, she is a filmmaker. She's a visual artist. She's the owner and founder of Film and Her, a female filmmaker showcase. Brittie, thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, for sure. So we're going to get into a bunch of stuff later about building a brand. But before we get to that point, let's talk a little bit about your background. Sure. And how you got to the point that you are today. Sure. So did you go to school for filmmaking? I for did. The arts? I did. I went to the Savannah College of Art and Design. I graduated in 2016 with a degree in film and television. So um, I do have the piece of paper that proves that I can do this, but I don't think that that's necessary for being a filmmaker. But I did kind of get a formal education in filmmaking. Yeah. And are you from here? Originally? I am. I am from Erie. Um, I'm not technically born here, but uh, basically raised my whole life here, and um, and I wanted to go away for school, and then circumstances brought me back, and now yeah. I'm living and creating and doing all sorts of stuff in Erie. So not to go over like what all your options were, but did you make a conscious decision like, yeah, I want to go away, or was it kind of, um, you looked at a bunch of different options? I and... actually went to Youngstown State for a year for okay. th a theater degree before I decided to go to ah. Savannah College of Art and Design. Mm -hmm. um, I was doing my whole, like, first year I was doing all kinds of theater work. I ended up becoming the sound designer for the entire theater season because it was just something I was good at and everyone liked working with me. And as I was doing it, I would sit in the booth and I would watch the shows and be like, I wonder how I would film this. I want to film this scene or how would I reinterpret this? And like, as I kept doing that, I'm like, maybe I should go to film school. Interesting. So um, I kind of considered a couple different options. Um, and I actually got accepted into two schools. One was in uh, Philadelphia, I believe, and one was in Savannah. And so I made my pros and cons list. And mm -hmm. top of the list was no snow. <laughs> So, sure. yeah, Savannah's really beautiful. Yeah, it's wonderful. It's gorgeous. And I, I really came to fall in love with this, with the city. It's like my second home. Um, so that was kind of, it wasn't necessarily a conscious decision to be like, I need to run away and go away forever. It was like, here are kind of what's fallen into place. Let me try this out and see what happens. So, and, and also when I went down there, I started to learn more about, and it, it was really growing at the time about Georgia becoming like the East Coast Hollywood 
basically. And I didn't necessarily like dip my toes fully into that, but just having that knowledge of like right around the corner is Atlanta and everything happening in Atlanta. Um, that was really great for my kind of development as like, oh, film is happening everywhere, but there's a lot happening here. There's a ton of movies that come into Savannah all the time. I can point out like places in Savannah where stuff is filmed or if I watch something, I'm like, oh, I recognize that. Like the SpongeBob SquarePants movie <laughs> was filmed partially in Savannah, partially in Tybee. And there's like a chase sequence, live action chase sequence. I'm like, oh, that's Broughton Street. I know that building. That's my library. <laughs> <laughs> so there's, you know, it's, it's nice to be in a place where a lot of stuff is happening when you're learning and creating because you can see like, hey, this is what the big folks are doing this is what the big cheese is doing and then you're up here like I'm also making things don't mind me so but it's really nice to see it because you get inspiration and be like hey that's what I want to aspire to so what made you want to come back to Erie after that it wasn't necessarily a choice of coming back to Erie but I'm glad that it wasn't a choice because it's put me in a position where I've had to be like what do I really want to do and what can I do with the resources that I have and not having necessarily the same amount of resources, even just not being in an academic setting. I don't have the same uh, access to equipment, access to folks right. who want to be working in the industry. It, it's forced me to be super creative, and I've actually started to find like little niches of things I like doing and things I like making and what I can do with you know, uh, the two shoestrings and a box. Like, <laughs> what, what can I make with that? Um, and, and Erie's been so encouraging and welcoming to me as a as a filmmaker and as a creator that that's also been something I would not have found in any other big city area any kind of metropolitan area because there's so many people doing that whereas here there's there's a lot of people there's more people than you think there are making work in Erie but the people that are are such a great like uplifting community and the people that don't are like you're making this you're doing this and they're just so inspired and it inspires me back um, and there, there actually is a lot of great resources in Erie that I didn't have in Savannah. Um, a lot of just access to cool places. Like there wasn't a cool place like Waldemere in Savannah. Hmm. Um, there wasn't a lovely beach right down the street. Like you could drive out to Tybee Island. Um, but here I can drive 15 minutes and I'm, I'm on the lake. Mm -hmm. I've got the sunsets. The sunsets go over the lake. Sunsets don't set over the ocean. So it's it's just such a great place to be like, hey, I have access to these great places. I know so many people. I'm much more connected here. Um, and it's just really nice to be able to be like, hey, I need these things. And for a bunch of people to pop up being like, hey, I have this. Whereas in Savannah, in a community where everybody's doing it, a lot of people are kind of fatigued. Sure. They're not necessarily willing to offer anything because there's so many students that have gone into locations and messed things up. So you have to <laughs> you have to like kind of tend with that, be like, okay, I have to pay for this or I can't go to this place. What's my alternative? Whereas in Erie, if you're setting the example correctly, you can go in and be like, hey, can I make something here? And they're like, I've never had that request before. What yeah. can I do to help you? And set the bar in the right place. Yeah, to start. Right. I think that's and I think that's super important. Like it's it's not hard to say, you know, I'm going to go in and set an example for what other people should be doing, because it's really just about respecting, having making sure everyone knows what the rules are going in and leaving it cleaner than you found it. It's yeah. very, very yeah. simple. <laughs> uh, real quick, what high school did you go to? I went to Fort LaBeouf, but I graduated from Pennsylvania Cyber Charter School. Okay. All right. Just wanted trivia. Yeah. So I'm, I'm very like, it's, it's one of those things that now that I've come back and people, I'm meeting more people like um, that either are not from Erie or don't think I'm from Erie. It's like a weird like hmm. test. Where did you go to high school? I'm like, well, okay. Yeah. First of all, Fort LaBeouf is where I went, but I didn't graduate from there. Understood. So. so what did bring you back initially? Was it a project or a job or? Um, it was just kind of what fell into place and what made the most sense was just to move back. Um, I actually didn't finish school during the normal like quarter system. I actually was like one quarter ahead of the graduation. So it didn't really make sense for me to be in Savannah for a whole quarter. 
um, and not be in school. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so I just came back and was kind of just trying to figure things out. Like I didn't really know. Yeah. Uh, I didn't really feel like I started discovering a lot of what I wanted to do, what a lot of what my artistic vision was until like that last quarter of school. And by that point it was like, well, I'm already moving back to Erie. So mm-hmm. this is what it is. So what projects did you get involved in initially uh, when you first came back? Like 2016, right? Yeah. I, I first moved back in 2016. Um, I think, I can't remember which one came first, um, but the first two things I did was I made a music video and I filmed This Is How Road Gets Made, so which was the filmmaking competition uh for the greater Erie Film Yeah, correct. for the film office. Correct. Uh, Callie Oberlander wrote the script. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the winning script from that uh, second year of the competition. What mm-hmm. was this story about? It was about two young immigrants who fell out of place and were kind of finding their own way in this new space that they couldn't, that they couldn't leave from. Like, they had come from a place they can no longer go back to. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that was the first, like non-client piece that mm-hmm. I did because the music video was yeah I, so I did it for myself um and that was like really kind of getting a hold of what I can do in Erie like what do I have access to what can I do yeah I love that short and I love that story. yeah I thought that turned out really really well yeah, yeah that was cool that was good and great actors and yeah. actresses yeah yeah that was super fun um to do that was also I got a little ambitious I did a uh, commission uh six and a half foot tall puppet (laughs) but you know i think it's one of those things where like you try stuff out and i think that worked i i wish there was more to it than what i ended up doing um um not just to go off base here a little bit but um do you remember seeing the other uh entries because at the end when like your monster came out so to speak they had something that was almost similar in nature but it was just bizarre because i know they didn't see your cut and you didn't see their Uh -uh. cut and it was like they both kind of had this similar thing. Right. I don't know. It was creativity. Yes, but yeah. I mean, it was totally different. But just in this one. Well, instance. in the script, it was like both of the children face a nightmare where they, uh, uh, like an evil man is about to set them on fire. Um, and I think I think probably both of us were like, hey, I don't want to necessarily do that in a realistic way because it is a nightmare. Right. It is something of like this is just the trauma of their past. So we both interpreted it, I think, in a way of like fire and demons and nightmares, which they weren't they weren't exactly the same, but they were just no. similar yes. in like that nature of it is the nightmare, right. which is super fun. It's like how do you take something that someone else wrote and interpret it in a way that is your vision and fun to do and still gets the point across. The opening scene is a great way to be a creative filmmaker because mm-hmm. it is just visual storytelling. You mm-hmm. do not show exactly what's going on, which is, I think, memory serves. They come from this kind of like Mexican narco crime family. Mm-hmm. They're escaping from, you know, uh, cartel life. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way you shoot it, it's two kids hiding under a blanket and yeah. fireworks are going off. Yep. And like the sound is crucial and yeah. the sound mixing was great. That was, t- uh, was that Zach? Um, I Tyler? believe it was Tyler. Tyler, right. Tyler yeah. Tyler's Tyler's thing. Thanks. Yep. So, uh, but yeah, yeah, it was great work. Yeah. Thank you. But you've done a lot of other things since I then. I have. I have. That was kind of like my starting piece, uh, aside from the music video, which I think turned out really well. That was the ball- ballerinas? Um, no, the first the music boxing. video I did was actually the one in the woods, um, where it was kind of like just a a uh, wonderful actress, Jessica McDonald, just kind of ran around the woods with a creepy mask on um, and an axe. That's kind of where we ended up with that one. But it really, you know, the thing about music videos I like is they're basically like socially acceptable experimental videos. Yeah. So I can kind of be like, here's an idea. What do you get from it? Um, but that was the first one I made. Uh, and then the second music video after that. So these are all for uh, a musician in England, David Boskett, um, for his album Sample the Summer. The second music video I did was actually a recut of my senior thesis because um, he had made the music for my senior thesis. So I said, well, you've done such great work and you undercharged me. So let me make a music video for you. So the second one, I was a recut of my senior thesis, um, Dream Lords. And then the third music video was the ballerinas, uh, boxer ballerinas basically was the concept. And then the fourth one, the last one I've done for David was um, kind of like a, a summer vibes style 
Um, I had my actress kind of just we we went to we went to the beach, we went to Waldemar, we went to Sarah's, we got like ice cream, and we just kind of had like a fun like summer day. And yeah. then I made that the music video. Yeah, these like nice. short projects are good for like experimenting, mm-hmm. like you said, and practicing really mm-hmm. like your craft. Where we should throw it out for our listeners. What's your website so people can check out these things we're talking you about? You can go to com. Lee is L E A. So B R I T T Y L E A dot com. Um, I also have a Facebook page and Twitter. All of my handles on social media is Brittany Lee Film. Um, but pretty much everything should be pretty easily searchable. Um, but yeah, it's, it's all on my website and hopefully, you know, there's some fun stuff on there for people to check out. Absolutely. Yeah. So was that kind of, was that like part of the client-based work you mentioned that you were doing? Yeah. You were doing it for like a musician? Yeah. Any other client-based stuff you were doing at the time or was it more um, like personal projects? At the time in 2016, 2017 was just a lot of kind of figuring it out. Um, but I started doing some book trailers for an author friend of mine, Lauren Jankowski. Um, those were super fun because it's like, what what even is a book trailer? So I kind of got to play around with that concept. Um, I have done a music video between moving back and now uh, for Cranberry Mars, um, who is a musician. He's based out of Vegas right now. Um, but he's actually from like kind of our neck of the woods, excuse me. But, uh, so that was also super fun to do. Um, and then, and then I've kind of dived into, I think within the past year or so, I've really found my niche in doing media in theater. Um, so there's really just this little kind of little corner I found where smaller theater, smaller productions, maybe even bigger productions in the future just use um, video and video elements as part of the either the set design or part of kind of like an additional character on set. Um, the first big one that I did was Drama Shop's uh, The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime, and it was really more part of the set design. Um, so the set was essentially half of like a diamond shape um, corner and there was a full projection on the whole back of it and it was front projected but it was just like interpretable images I really tried to make sure nothing seemed like super solid because when I was talking with the director Zach Flock one of the things we discussed was what do the projections mean and we kind of came to the conclusion that it's when we're in the main character's head so it's just those were the moments when it came up. So it wasn't a whole the whole show was productive. It was just small moments. And then each moment was abstract. Um, and I think that's the thing about film in general is like there there's no limits to it. Everyone's so used to it being on a big screen in a movie theater with popcorn. I'm making little things that go online. I'm making things that go in theater. I'm making installation work like there's no there's no limit to it. It's how you apply the medium. It's what you do with it, which I think is really cool. I think the installation work is really cool that you've been doing, and I see a lot of that happening in your future also. Thank you. Yeah, I really love it. It's one of those things where that is just me. I don't think that there's anything. I think the the marrying between like theater work and installation work is very similar, but doing just installations is really something that I would love to dive more into. Um, the last piece I just did uh, was uh, a piece called A Firm. I installed it during gallery night um, last September at Ember and Forge. And cool. what I had is three tube TVs set up on the bar facing out the window. So kind of emulating like those old, when you would go and see all the TVs and, and watch what was on happening mm-hmm. on them. Um, and I had uh, my actor Steve Dijon was uh, set up as a like a news anchor, and all he was doing was saying affirmations, saying positive things. So if you actually stopped and listened, he was saying good things. Um, and originally at the start of the video, it was dark behind him, and then it came down and revealed that he was sitting on the beach. So he was sitting on the beach doing this news broadcast, which was affirmations of "You are awesome," "You're great." Um, and it was on a loop. So it really was just about like making you stop and watch and listen. Um, pay attention. Pay attention to it. And it doesn't necessarily have to be all all bad. Like there's <laughs> and, and, and I think that's the thing. Installations can send a message. They don't have to. I can make an installation where it's just like, you know, flowers on a screen. But to me, I think it means more if I have even a small meeting behind it. 
Um, but that, there's no there's no limit to what I can do. The first installation I did was actually for the class I had at school and I took a basically like an iPad and I framed it with like a very ornate golden frame and I ended up hanging it up in an antique shop that had frames all along the wall so it blended in and on screen there were three feminine figures in white with a gold disc behind them um, kind of in like poses uh, emulating like iconography Mm -hmm. and so they would sit and then they would turn and look at you for about a couple seconds and they would turn back Um, and I when I I was actually there when that was happening and I think about two people saw it, which was awesome, which I know is like kind of the opposite of what you want when you're making art. But I liked that it was so subtle that mm-hmm. no one stopped yeah. to see it because that was kind of the point of it, of being like, if you stare long enough, they're going to stare back at you. Yeah. But no one was willing to stop and like look, that. which I think is just more more impactful says a lot. than anything else. Yeah. 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 Let me get techie nerd on you for a second. Um, from looking at a firm... Uh, what kind of camera did you guys use to shoot that on? At a firm, um, a firm I shot on my Canon T3i. Um, I what I did was took it into some post processing okay. to really kind of I wanted to emulate I wanted it to fit with the TVs. So the TVs are older school. We all have like you know LCD flat screens now. So that mm, I'm trying to think of the word. Static yeah. VHF. The like it's UHF. got a texture yeah. to it. It's right. got a texture to it. So I took it in. Um, and I believe what I did, the biggest thing I did was color offset. So I just give it a little bit of color offset on the edges just to really, and then I think I put it in a square format. So just to really fit within those TVs. So It looks like an old VHS tape. Yeah. Playing. yeah. yeah. I, I might have put a couple, a little bit of VHS over it. I know at the beginning I put a VHS kind of uh, right, stinger. Right, the blue screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I think that that's something to be said of, like you can also take high quality stuff and bring it down uh-huh. and that's that's still a statement that's still saying something right. i kind of did something similar with both um cranberry mars's music video and uh the music video i did the last music video i did for david um in which i took like pretty decent dslr quality footage and emulated a different style of filmmaking um with the uh, music video for David, I tried to do like a Super 8 style. So um, gave it a little bit of jitter, put a little bit of grain over top of it. Um, and then for Cranberry Mars's, it was like, yeah, put that VHS, like give it a little bit of static, put a little bit of, you know, color aberration around the edges. Um, and I think that now we're kind of in a nostalgic era. I don't think that and, 80s forever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think that that's, you know, something you said about playing into a little bit of that style of people like kind of feeling a little nostalgic, a little vintage with stuff. Um, and I also think it's important to really show, like, you don't have to have anything to be making films. You know, you, you it's how you use it. It's how you do it. It's what you're trying to say with it. I can make a film with my phone, but I also have to know, I also have to know going into it, that I'm making a film with my phone. It's gonna look that way, it's gonna act that way. So maybe make that part of it, mm-hmm. instead of being like, well, I don't have you know, a, a billion dollar camera, but I'm gonna shoot it on my phone like it is a billion dollar camera. Right. Like you can't, you can't match them, but you have to use the tools you have to your advantage. Totally, it's all about the operator. Mm-hmm. Give me a tuba, I'll make <laughs> you a song. <laughs> You can cut that part out. Great. Great. That no, part keep that in. Please leave that in. Please leave that in. So you also do some photography too. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? A little bit. I've I've realized in the past couple of years that um, I don't necessarily want to market myself as a photographer. Um, I love doing it, and I think that it's super valuable. And I I exalt anyone that can do it as a career because it's hard, it's difficult, and it's just a lot of work. Um, but I think it's, it's, for me, it's a challenge that I enjoy because as a filmmaker, I get 24 frames a second. I can have things move. I can have motion. Interpreting that into a single image Mm -hmm. is very difficult. Um, taking a concept and being like, I like this. And if I were to film it, it would look like this. How do I do, how do I do that concept in just a single image, capturing it? 
Motion blur is your friend when you're a filmmaker, not your friend when you're a photographer. So it's really it's really about like taking some skills that I don't necessarily use in my filmmaking and trying to just use them in a way that is different and fun. Um, but I think that that's also like something to talk about in if you are making art and you like doing something, but you don't necessarily want to do it full time, like you don't have to market it. And I think that's something that I've learned that's been a hard, hard road for me to learn of. I do a lot of things and I think that I do them most pretty well, mostly well. Um, but I also don't have to say, hey, I can get a client off of photography. Right. I've, I've found it's more valuable for me to be like, hey, how about you hire this person who's much better than I am and uh, can do it much faster than I can. And maybe in a couple years, I might consider it, but that's not really my passion. And it probably helps out. Like, it probably can act like a tool to help you with filmmaking, too, right? It does, yes. It's a, it's a lot of, like, composition and lighting. Um, I recently did a self-portrait shoot, which is super fun. I highly recommend anyone does their own self-portrait shoot because it's just, it's really, like, exploratory of yourself and what you want to be doing. Um, but I was able to really take the ideas that I have in filmmaking and apply them to photography and took some ideas from photography and been like, okay, I can take that into my filmmaking skills. But something like self-portraits is nice because it's not for anybody. It's just for me. Um, but you can use it and and it's, it's useful to have the skill um, when I'm doing any kind of filmmaking and even just in a casual setting, I can kind of break out my camera and start doing something useful and valuable. Um, but I really think that it's important to know your limits. And I think photography is as much as it's great and exploratory for me as an artist. I don't think it's necessarily something that I want folks to come to me and be like, hey, can you shoot my friend's wedding? Right. <laughs> no, thank you. We've talked about weddings yeah, before. Weddings we don't fun. like those. <laughs> I think I think weddings are, are great for the individual, bad for artists. Yes. <laughs> it becomes very cookie cutter. Yeah. It, there's, and it's not, it's not exploratory as art, and that's fine and valuable. I think commercial photography is super important, and commercial videography is super important. I just want to be making something of a guy sitting on a beach <laughs> telling you that you're awesome. Right. It's really not a wedding there. <laughs> I mean, it could be. That'll be a fun wedding. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> well, let's switch gears a little bit because um, you have other en endeavors as well. So mm -hmm. what about um, what made you want to do Film and Her? Film and Her was a project that kind of started by accident almost. I was in my last year of school and I just was getting frustrated not seeing enough women in filmmaking kind of coming together. It felt like there was like pockets kind of around. And I was in Savannah, I was at art school. There are so many, I knew so many. Why was it like so hard for me oh. to find out who everybody was? Um, I, I don't think, I think a lot of the resources weren't necessarily as obvious to me as a student. There are a lot of great resources in Savannah and Atlanta and Georgia overall for women in film. Um, there's plenty of women in film chapters and organizations, and that's awesome. But as a student, I was like, didn't even know that was an option for me to consider. Uh, and so I just set something up. Like, I got a bunch of folks who submitted films. Um, probably only about half of them were students, which was awesome. Hmm. Um, there's actually, like, a lot of, of awesome, awesome women in Savannah making just great work. And then I asked a coffee shop to see if I could set up, and I did. And I really liked doing it, and it was so empowering and so uplifting for everybody. Like, it was such a group kind of effort that I was like, well, can I keep doing this? Like, so sorry, this is while you were still in school. While I was you still started in school. A, a film festival, essentially, I, right? I did, and it wasn't necessarily, <laughs> like, my intention. I was like, I just want to do this as a thing, as a way to be like, hey... Because I think the other thing is, so there's the Savannah Film Festival, and it's great, and it's awesome, but it is about, like, quality, which is pretty much what festivals should be about. Um, and there have student blocks and short film blocks, and it's great. You go in, like, as a student, you get free tickets to certain things, and so it was really great to just go in and sure. see all that. But it still felt like there wasn't necessarily, like, a community aspect to it. So that was kind of the me being like, ah, I really want to be able to, like, connect with everybody 
Um, and, and people that are here. A lot of the short films are awesome, but they're not all from the area. Sure. So, and yeah, it was, so I did that my last year of school. Awesome. Uh, and then I've, I've just since then been trying to say, like, what is this as a concept that I want to keep doing? Because then it was like a matter of community. And now it is, it is community, but in a bit broader sense. How can I bring people together across kind of all platforms and all places who want to connect with other folks? Yeah. So you do it in Erie and mm-hmm. Savannah currently. Currently. Um, I'm working on uh, making it an East Coast tour. So just and, – and there's submissions pretty, pretty much from all over the place. We're, mm-hmm. going, we're talking all the way up New England, all the way down to Florida. Do you take submissions around the year? Um, I submissions are closed at the moment. Okay. I've actually completed the so lineup. So there's somebody listening. Like yeah. when what should they be putting on their calendar? Um, um you know, I'm not sure because we're kind of revamping how we're doing the tour. Okay. Um, I think the tour is going to be 2019, 2020. So I'm not sure if it's going to be like during that time another submission bracket or maybe after that. Gotcha. But I honestly encourage everyone to just kind of become part of the community, follow on Facebook, follow on Twitter, and just kind of engage because I think that's what's going to build it up to be more of what it is, is finding those folks who want to connect and just start just start engaging. Like, it's, it's really that simple. I want to see these films. I want to see these filmmakers. Let's talk about it. To find out more information about Film and Her, you can log on to filmandher.com. They have lots of information on there about their 2018 program and filmmakers. And also check out where you can support them to donate, volunteer, and also sponsorship opportunities. Do you do any film-related stuff, art-related stuff on the On the podcast? podcast? I mean, I can real, real briefly touch on it. Pop it in real quick. Right now, I'm currently only operating on one show. Um, I, I run the network, so it's yeah. like that's a lot of... Directing. It's very similar to any kind of directing producing. Um, I just think podcasts are so invaluable to creators because you can make stuff very quickly without necessarily having to have a lot of resources, um, which I think is really great. There's a couple slumps I've had where it's like, I'm just going to make something and I just make a podcast. Like that's really, I think, super valuable because like as a filmmaker, I'm working on a comedy video and I'm spending hours making fake ravioli. Like you don't have to do that with a podcast. No one can see you. (laughs) But I think it's so important because filmmakers are storytellers. By the way, that coffee shop one was great with the dub overs. Oh my God, that's basically what I'm doing, but a bigger scale. That was hysterical. (laughs) Yeah. Did you see Lemon Boy? Because Lemon Boy is probably the thing uh, I'm I did most a little bit. Uh, yeah, Josh was in that yeah. one, right? Yeah, yeah. He's peeling yeah. the lemon in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Everyone's looking mm-hmm. at him going crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. was good. So I'm basically doing that again next week. <laughs> okay. Not as not as fantastical, but. But you're looking for help too, right? Always. So where would we want to contact? Where would somebody want to contact you if they wanted to? I don't know if I would if I would promote that necessarily okay. as a as a bigger brand thing because um, I'm just trying to keep like the production very low key. So it's like... Well, I, I saw you had a call, though. Yeah, unofficial. Unofficial. Okay. If okay. my friends want to come and help out, they can. <clears throat> okay. But, like, I, it's not it's not large scale. It's not my music video. It's not... It's just me, like, I'm going to make a silly video. Who wants to come help? Who wants to come hang out? Okay. Which I think is also kind of... Yeah, no, that's thing. part of you having know? fun. Yeah, part you know? of part It's of a business, process. but you got to have fun. Yes. Yes, exactly. You know? But then you can't have fun all the time because yeah. it's a business. Sometimes you got to have clients. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's the Pocket Podcast Network. Mm-hmm. And where can people go to find more information about this? Pocketpodcastnetwork.com. Okay, so you talked kind of a lot about, like, you've mentioned marketing and branding yeah. in this conversation yeah. quite a bit. So let's talk about, like, building your own brand. You've thrown out like a wide net of things that you're involved in. Is the idea that's all under one brand related or are you kind of feeling out and testing the waters to figure out, you know, where you're going to go I think that they're all, all three of those things I think are different brands, quote unquote, because you've got the podcast network, which is a podcast and I'm I'm only on two shows and there's nine I think at this point that are active so it's about the overall quality so that's necessarily I'm part of it but it's not me mm-hmm. film and her is really about 
uplifting and celebrating emerging female filmmakers. And so that is, again, not about me. It's about that concept. Brittany Lee is a brand, and that brand is about the things that I make. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that... But there is overlap. There's overlap, but I think in terms of, like, what am I going to put on my social media? What am I going to put on my website? Those would be, like, Brittany Lee branded content, and that is, like, about what I want to continue to say with my work, mm-hmm. um, what I what my quote-unquote mission is. Like, it's, it's very loose as a mission, but I really want to continue to um, make stories that uh, are engaging and just joyful, I think, on some level, and really give folk who don't necessarily see themselves in media a chance to see themselves in media. Um, so now what that ends up being can be a lot of different things. It can be affirmations of an installation. It can be a comedy video. It can be all sorts of things. And I and I try to, at this point, pick up clients who fall within that vision. Um, and I think that that's important because until until I'm able to sustain myself as a filmmaker, I'm always going to be taking on clients. And I think that that's important that you can't do it by yourself. You you not not at the beginning unless you have a big chunk of change that gets put in your mailbox yeah. accidentally. Like there's there's just there's just a, a process to getting to being self-sustaining. And so when I'm going along that process, I don't want to necessarily be working on things that I'm not passionate about. And there are so many things that I'm passionate about that it's very easy to fall under that category. Um, but I think that finding those people that share that vision is super awesome. Like I've been working on a lot of theater pieces that are like pretty feminist and pretty empowering. And I'm, I'm just a small piece of that, but I'm still very, very proud to say, Hey, this is my brand. Even though I'm not necessarily the director of the piece or the creator of the piece. I'm just a small piece of it, but I'm like, yeah, that falls under my brand. Um, Branding I think is a combination of knowing what you want to be doing, knowing your mission and so it's like step one. Right? Yeah. Have have yeah, have a plan. Yeah, have yeah. a plan. And it can change. <laughs> Let yourself evolve. Because I put myself in a couple corners and I realized those are not the corners I want to be in. So just let yourself change. Maybe don't do an overhaul. Maybe like slow evolution. Um, but even even having like a basic like I really like making comedy videos. So I want my brand to be comedy videos. And so step one. Step two is making sure people know about you and that they know you in a consistent way. Which is so challenging for artists, it right? It really is. Like yeah. self-promotion. Because that, is... that puts you in a box itself. Yeah. <laughs> like... And it's hell because yeah. we want to be like creating. Mm-hmm. And then you have to like wear this other hat and take this other time to like, because you want somebody to watch yes. what you're spending your time on. Yeah. But it's like, it feels like you're sacrificing. I mean, I know for me it's, it's a challenge of like, oh, yeah, okay, I just got to sit down for like today and like kind of put some of this shit together mm-hmm. to put it out there because otherwise nobody knows what yeah. I've been doing the last month. And you have to, I think it's easier if you put yourself in that mindset of and if you don't say anything, no one's going to know. Um, and it, there's a constantly, I get a lot of people in real life coming up to me like, hey, what you working on? What you doing? Which is like, just makes my heart swell because it's like, yeah, I'm working on things. You know it. Um, <laughs> you know me. But it's it's that question, but on online. Like, how do you make sure that you everyone knows what you're doing is, hey, what you're working on? And I think if you approach it, maybe not necessarily like as an individual being a brand, you don't have to worry about necessarily like a comp- being a company and, and speaking on behalf of everyone. You're speaking on behalf of yourself. Mm-hmm. So just be yourself and I know that's a stupid phrase but it's it's it is kind of a discovery of finding out who you are but just update people hey I'm making a bunch of fake ravioli today this is what my life has become and I think that that's engaging for people is seeing behind the curtain seeing what you're doing and it's fun and it can be wild it can be cool I found a really cool location look at this thing that I just did um so and I think that you know it's it's a lot of just being consistent. Um, I think consistency in putting your work out there, 
maybe not necessarily creating all the time, but even just sharing old things you've done and consistency in how you speak. Mm. And I think that that's important just overall as and a person. For the brand too. Yeah, but yeah. for a brand is is unifying I, message. Yeah, unifying everything you're trying to say because I'm trying to say, hey, I think that I need to bring a little more light to the world and I need to bring a little more, you know, community. So just try to do that. So I'm making comedy videos or I'm making things that I think kind of uplift minorities and are diverse and that's it's broad but it's a unifying message Mm -hmm. so i'm not gonna you know turn around and be like all right serious talk time like (laughs) i'm trying to be someone that you like i want to see what britty's up to because it's fun and enjoyable even if even if i do do something a little more serious it's still going to be that same kind of vision Mm -hmm. so do you Oh, sorry. Go I was going to say, well, consistency is what makes you professional. Because mm-hmm. anybody can do it once and be like, oh, look at this thing I made. Yeah. But if you don't learn from your mistakes and move on and keep moving and keep moving, then yeah. And if it feels like random like and there's no unified voice or anything, it can be kind of tough for people to follow you too. You definitely have like, I, I get, you know, you're talking about your mission and mm-hmm. positivity and bringing joy and light to the world. You definitely get that through everything. That and I do a lot of things. Like, I, I am kind of a little over all over the place, which I think is okay, because I'm doing installation work. I'm doing work sure. with clients. I'm doing music videos. I'm doing comedy videos. But you still want to sit down and watch them because there's a certain, uh, like, a feeling that you get when you watch it and positivity that you get. Yeah. I think there's a certain chromosome innate in individuals like us because there's not a chance that any of us sitting at this table would want to sit in a cubicle all day long. Yeah. No. We have to have constant projects going on, being in new environments, new people, yeah. new events, new experiences. So, Have you always been an outgoing person or do you feel like through... I say the first time I met you. Absolutely right. not. That was good. So... Because some of our listeners maybe are not so outgoing. Mm -hmm. It might be terrifying to, like, build a brand and promote yourself and put yourself out there as you do. So how, like, has the art kind of helped you um, grow in that way? It has. And I think think kind of starting to build a mentality. Um, And the mentality, I think, that that I've built is obviously I want people to see my work. But if they don't? that's okay. I'm making this because I want to be making this. I enjoy making this. I'm enjoying the process. I'm enjoying the content. Um, and once that clicked and it became less about the views mm-hmm. and it less became less about likes. all the engagement and the likes, it became fun. It became something I want to keep doing. I want to wake up and keep doing every day. And it's honestly just become like a fuck it mentality. Like, <laughs> why the fuck not? I'm going to make this thing. And like, and, and that's, I think, helped with the outgoingness of being like asking people for help or promoting myself. It's like, fuck it. I just made something really cool. Why won't, I mean, look at it, but also I'm not going to shove it in your face. <laughs> like here it is. I did it. I'm going to keep doing more things. You know, it's, it's like, why shouldn't I be awesome basically? And I, I think that that's been a very tough road to get to. Yeah. Um, but that confidence is, is something you just got to fake it first. Just just pretend you're confident and, and and make things because you're pretending you're confident and then you will be confident. And and you know, I've made stuff that sucks. We all have. We all have. <laughs> right. And if we haven't, well then there's something wrong. Yeah, like but you have to acknowledge it and you still have to be proud of it. Mm. Like that's what got you where you are is the shitty stuff. Because now I can make cool stuff because I used to make shitty stuff. Right. Like that's just that's just how it is. Um, but I, I think that putting yourself out there is just a matter of being like, I did it. Here it is. I think it's awesome. You should watch it. I'm gonna go make my next thing. Um, and, and 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 being grateful for the people that got you there, because I wouldn't be anywhere without all the folks. Filmmaking is such a collaborative piece of art that I could not have literally gotten anywhere without all the folks who are helping me. So that's also made me more confident is the people who are like, hey, I like what you're doing. I'm going to come on set, help you out. Like, yeah. that's just a huge confidence booster. feels good when you have a lot of good energy on the set. Yes. Like-minded individuals yes. you're working with. Yeah. Definitely it's boosts you. a huge you part of it. Because then when you're having a little off day or a little down, they'll, they'll pull you yeah. up and vice versa. Exactly. That's a good team. And it's, it's, there's so many people that have, like, 
supported me by just sharing my things. Like I think that's such a such a great way to support artists that you like, even if you don't have necessarily any money to support them, is just share their work. Just eyeballs. Be like, Give them yeah. eyeballs. But yeah. also, you know, be like, hey, my friend made this. I think it's cool. You should watch it. Um, I know I on the other flip side of that, if you have the money, if you have a dollar a month, support folks that are on Patreon. Support. Which, yeah, I, I wanted to mention that you are on yeah, Patreon. Yeah, I am on Patreon. I It's same uh, Brittany Lee film. It's my Patreon. Um, I try to put behind the scenes, um, first looks of things. I'm trying to make you part of the process. Um, right now I'm working on a comedy video and everybody who's a supporter, $1 or above, gets access to it. Um, and I do try to make things exclusive for different levels, but right now this video I'm working on, everybody can see all the stuff I'm doing, trying to take as much behind the scenes footage as I can so you can see it. Um, nice. But that's, you know, and that's and that's the support. Like when I see someone pop in like, hey, I'm going to support you monthly. Hey, I just saw the thing. I get people who I know personally that are supporters on Patreon that message me after I post something. They're like, oh my gosh, I just saw this thing on Patreon. I'm like, oh man, you're such a great part of my team. Like at that point, you are part of my team. Yeah. So it, there's, there's so many ways to support folks who are making art. And I think that one of the things I've learned doing Film and Her is support folks who are making art that maybe isn't great. Maybe you don't think it's the best thing in the world, but they're doing it. Yeah. They're they're putting themselves out there. They're it making a, a thing. It takes a lot just it takes to make a lot. Even serious. if it's even if you look at like the home movies I made it when I was ten. <laughs> like if you were to talk to me when I was ten and say, That's awesome, I would have been elated and continue to make yeah. things. I think it's so important that we make things. I think everybody needs to be making something. Even if it's not necessarily as large of a scale as things I make, just make things. Make things for you. That's so important to me. All right. Thank you, Brittany Lee, for being here with us today. Thank you for having me. Uh, you can check out her website, BrittanyLee.com. That's been our episode. Remember, you can buy tickets for Burning at FilmSocietyNWPA.org or at the door. Doors open Wednesday at 5.30 p.m. On June 10th's episode, our guest will be screenwriter Lisa Knight. And on June 17th, filmmaker and director of the Oil Valley Film Festival, Matthew Croyle. Make sure you follow us on social media. You'll find all the tags and links in the show notes for this episode. Until next time, this was Film Green. This podcast is produced by Edinburgh University Center for Branding and Strategic Communication. It's part of the Northwest Pennsylvania Innovation Beehive Network.